Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As we were talking about earlier, I feel home when I'm in a new place. I feel home when I'm experiencing new things and and that constant change, that's that's what feels like home to me now. So it's definitely it's definitely travel has altered how I just in general perceive the world and, and my place in it. Welcome to the Budget Minded Traveler Podcast, your source for the tips and tactics that will inspire and equip you to travel the world. And the best part, it won't break your bank. And now, the Budget Minded Traveler herself and your host, Jackie LaLainen. Hey guys, welcome to episode 50 of the Budget Minded Traveler Podcast. We made it to 50. Woo! Um, and today actually also starts our first season, what I'm calling seasons, I should probably call them series of the podcast. This one is going to be about long-term travel. So for the next four weeks, we're going to have some carefully selected long-term perpetual constant travelers in some form or another come on the show to basically share their expertise about packing, preparation, things they have to think about, things that have changed them, what they've learned, advice, all sorts of things having to do with long-term travel. So we have that to look forward to for the next four weeks. And today we're actually starting with um, a girl I met in Boston at a travel conference. And then I saw her again a couple of months later in Spain at another travel conference. And she's just toting around this little backpack. You're going to hear us talking about this in the episode. And uh, she just kind of fascinated me because I I knew she was a long-term traveler. So we all get to know a little bit more about Adrienne Ann today. That's who we're interviewing. She's 29. She's originally from Seattle. She actually has been traveling continuously for about the last couple of year, two years. And she also has her own website called Adrian's Travel Tales. I'm going to put a link to that on the show notes page. And um, yeah, so here we go with Adrian, our first episode in the long-term travel series. All right, I've got Adrian and on the line. Hey, Adrian, how's it going? It's pretty great, Jackie. How are you doing? I am good. Um, a good question to ask you to start out. Where in the world are you right now? Funny enough, I'm actually home, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> Sometimes that happens. <laughs> it's nice, though. I am from a little small mountain town south of Seattle called Eatonville. So I'm actually sitting in my bar- my parents' bedroom, um, <laughs> hanging out with the dog. So it's great. I get that. We, uh, I think we've all been there. <laughs> Time yeah. to go home for a little bit. How long have you been home? Uh, just about a month. So I was traveling around in Europe for a while and uh, I went to T-Bex and then mm-hmm. I came home and I graduated and I've been hanging out here for about a month so far. Awesome. Congrats on graduating. Thank you. Okay, so cool. I um, I have sort of introduced you a little bit to the audience already, but why don't you... Um, maybe just give us an idea of who you are, where you come from, and uh, and then we'll get into talking travel. All right, I can do that. Well, 
I, for the most part, am originally from uh, Seattle slash Washington area, and I have kind of dabbled in a lot of different careers from being a recruiter to in sales to I was actually a professional ballroom dancer and teacher for a while. Mm. And I've always had the travel bug, and I decided um, just over two years ago to get out there and start traveling. First started teaching English and then decided I wanted to do my own thing, um, which is why I eventually started my travel blog. But I've been traveling for just about just over two years and um, always coming home back to Seattle-ish area, but loving getting out there in the world and exploring what there is to see. Yeah. So do you mind me asking, how old are you? I am 29. 29. Oh, we're almost the same age. I've got a year on you, but (laughs) Um, so you being from Seattle and going through the whole um, multi multi job thing, I think so many of us can relate to that. I mean, don't even ask me how many jobs I've held, but especially as a traveler, because you end up (laughs) taking jobs and then leaving jobs and then going in and out of jobs all the time. So where what was it that kind of made you want to see the world? Was there something, was it just being fed up with work or was there something in your past that really kind of instilled the wanderlust in you? Well, it all started actually when I was kind of more of a kid. My mom used to work for the airlines and so we got to fly for free. Gosh, you are so lucky. Yeah, it was, it was actually a really, I didn't realize how lucky I was at the time Mm because I thought, you know, everyone could fly standby and we could you know, go to Denver every weekend if we wanted to, to visit family. And so it was more family based that I was traveling, but it was a really, really great time. And then because of the airline connection, my mom and dad actually got to go to, let's see, they went to Russia one time and Costa Rica another time and they left me at home. (laughs) (laughs) How dare they? (laughs) How dare they? So I kind of got back at them. And when I was uh, 16, I spent a year abroad in Australia. But then it took another 10 years for me to, to figure out my life enough to be able to get traveling again. So I guess to answer your question, you know, there was definitely that early life, um, being able to domestically travel and then internationally when I was an exchange student, but it was constantly seeing everybody else doing all these great trips and me not, me not doing it to finally say, all right, I'm going to make this happen. And, and, uh, kind of gave up everything to move to Asia. Mm -hmm. And that was what you did two years ago. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you, cause you said you, um, studied abroad in Australia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> I love how you said it took you 10 years to figure out like that that was basically what you were supposed to be doing or something like that. What did that look like? Was it just seeing other people travel or what was happening in you that made that happen? It was unrest within myself. It was, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd see people traveling internationally and I would try and take a trip a year, but it was all domestically to Puerto Rico to Oh, I guess, you know, Mexico is considered international and Mm -hmm. just these little things to, to wet my wanderlust, but not actually get me out into the world. And like we talked about, I was switching from job to job every year and a half to two years because I just wasn't, it's not that I wasn't happy. It's that I, it wasn't right. 
I had a great life. It wasn't like my life was awful. I loved where I was living in Seattle. I loved my friend group. I have a great family network here, but it just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And I had on and off talked about teaching English for years, ever since I graduated college and everything in my life just kind of magically, of course, lined up where my lease was coming up. I was in a point in my job that it it was either kind of, you know, go up or get out. Yeah. And my family situation um, was in a stable enough place where, you know, I could leave my parents without them, you know, missing me as much. (laughs) (laughs) So everything just magically lined up. And so it was only about a month and a half between when I everything I realized everything was lining up to when I actually left. So it was a very it's really quick. Yeah. (laughs) And actually, that's let's talk about that. um, That month and a half. Um, But first, I have to say, I totally get it. I really do. I mean, it's like something maybe just kind of sitting inside you and just welling up almost slowly until it suddenly just boils over and you just say, you know what, I have to go. This is what I'm doing. This is where the stars are aligning. And um, I just find that fascinating, especially right now, because I'm about to be doing the same thing. And so this is this is why I was so interested in in chatting long term travel, actually, during this little series on my podcast, because um, I'm about to be doing the same thing for for the first time in a while. And it just it's it already f- it feels so refreshing to me to kind of go back to something that I feel like I'm meant to do, you know, called it to do. Like home. It definitely feels like home as mm-hmm. weird as that sounds when I'm sure <laughs> yeah. you have the same feeling when you're out there and it's it's not just a week or two weeks, but it is. Right. It is the right thing for, you know, if it's for you, it's the right thing to be doing. Exactly. I've said for a long time, home is where the toothbrush is. Home is where the shoes are. So I get that. Okay. Yeah. It's the same. I mean, because it can change every night. We we know this so well. But um, but yeah, I feel very, I feel so at home when I'm traveling. And I Mm -hmm. think that that is a such a common thing between people who who just who who are long-term travelers you know you have to have that it doesn't yeah. really work if you're not m- almost more comfortable on the road than you are in a house with four walls you know exactly and it's it's not for everyone no very very true but for those people who it is within their soul and it's what they're supposed to do it's the most liberating feeling ever i cannot agree more i really can't um, the whole purpose of this little series that I'm doing on long-term travel for this, um, for my podcast is basically to, I mean, I, I kind of, I want to give people a glimpse into what that life is, you know, people who maybe are considering it or haven't done it before. And I think we, we pretty much just described what it, what the makeup is, you know, what you, what you kind of have to have to, to put it in place. And I'm sure there are so many people out there who are saying, that's me. I can relate. It's my turn. It's going to happen, you know? So mm-hmm. let's talk about your month and a half preparation, because that's actually a really short amount of time. But this is great because sometimes that's exactly how it happens. Um, I was actually talking. Do you know Aaron Bender? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking with Aaron. This is I don't know what episode this was, something in the 20s or thir- I can't remember now. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, their entire family up and left. They had 
a house, two cars, like everything. And within six months, I think it was, they were gone, which is, that is so fast to get an entire family. I mean, you're one person. This is like four people, you know? Oh my um, gosh. And sometimes it happens so quickly like that. And how helpful would it be to know what to do when you get to that point? I mean, if there are people out there listening who are saying, well, you know what? My lease is coming up soon and I'm not that happy in my job. I mean, like if things are kind of aligning, let's talk about the things that you, you know, kind of need to start thinking about if you're going to be going long term. So what started it for you, the planning, the preparation? I think the biggest thing was a was money, um, trying to figure out how to finance everything. So I did not have a huge amount of savings. So my first step was to figure out how, not necessarily where to go, but what to do once I got somewhere. And for me, that was teaching English. So my first step was to start that process to have some sort of job lined up for wherever I decided to go. So it was just a lot of of researching that and then figuring out exactly what my finances were. So I had some 401ks that I cashed out. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so <laughs> who <reflect>? needs those? <laughs> um, but that was the first thing was just figuring out, okay, if I'm going to make this, I don't want it to be a quick one month and then I'm, you know, screwed because I don't have money. I wanted to make sure that it could be long term. So for me, that was a job. So I set up a job. And then the next piece after that was figuring out what, what was, keeping me here? What were the things tying me down? So that was uh, my car payments, my um, uh, my lease, my apartment, and then physically my things. What were I going to do with my things? So I kind of made a list of those things that were physically tying me to this spot. And then I started getting rid of them all. So for me, that meant donating 95% of what I owned, <laughs> which mm-hmm. was a lot. Um, and it was a little bit heartbreaking, but it was also, again, very liberating. Um, the lease, that just meant me not signing another lease. And for my car, um, for the first probably eight or nine months, I was actually pay- making payments on my car while I was abroad, mm. which was a little tricky. But then I eventually um, sold my car. So okay. that was the, the first two steps was figuring out you know, how to make money and then figuring out and letting go of everything that was tying me down here. Right. So let's go back to step one, um, because... I know that you say, okay, I found a job. There's so much behind that simple sentence. Um, And I know you did a lot of research and I know that there are still issues even once you get overseas, making everything, making sure everything works out. So where did you start that search? Good old Google. (laughs) Awesome. What did you type into Google? I typed uh, teaching English abroad. And wow, that's really broad. You didn't even have a country in mind? Nope, not really. Okay, cool. Go <laughs> not with it. really. So yeah, I started with that. And then the one thing I was looking at is I wanted programs that were uh, almost kind of held your hand in the beginning because I knew that I would be moving to a place that didn't speak English. That was my other requirement. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And I wanted some place that would have some sort of support. So I started looking through the multitude of programs that have a teaching English certificate in addition to helping you get a job. Okay. Um, Like a TEFL thing. Yeah, exactly. Like a TEFL. And so I decided that I wanted to do my TEFL 
in country or as close to country as possible so that I could get as much experience before I actually started teaching. Perfect. So yeah. I kind of narrowed it down by continent and I went and looked, okay, what are the, what's the typical pay for the different locations? You know, what are the different requirements? Are there, there are some countries that require you to sign a two-year contract and there are some countries that don't require you to sign any sort of contract. So I was just looking at a lot of the different variables, trying to figure out what worked for me and, mm-hmm. and the um, timeline and, and what I also felt comfortable with. Okay. And so what program did you end up going with? I went with a program. It's called Language Core. Uh, they're actually based in the U.S., but they have an Asian branch. And uh, it was the certificate was actually located in the program was located in Cambodia. And then I worked and found a job in Taiwan. So okay, and yeah. they helped you. They helped me every step of the way. It was really great. They got me on board. They helped me secure all the right visas. They helped me um, get in contact with the recruiter in Taiwan. They helped me um, with my accommodations. So that's part of the package when you're in Cambodia. I mean, they they really were great and um, supportive, which was the, the key piece of what I was looking for. You know, I was giving up everything in my life and I wanted to make sure that I just wasn't jumping off or jumping out of an airport or airplane without a parachute. So. Right. And yeah. so this, how much did this program cost you? How long was it? The program was $2,500 and it was a month long plus a year of travel insurance and support. So support the meaning the hand-holding thing? Yeah. Cool. Basically, okay. Anytime I had questions for them, I could go back and ask. Um, and actually, I still every now and then I have a random question about getting in contact with some, some locals in different countries around the world, and they're really good about putting me in contact with them. So um, even two years later, they're, they're still, it's still paying off. That's so great. So you mm-hmm. found a good program. That's such a bonus because a l- I know a lot of them can be kind of sketchy. Mm-hmm. Well, to be honest, this one was 100% legit, but there was that that back of the mind, like, is this really what it's supposed to be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and they really were great. And the $2,500 covered um, the whole program. So that was my TOEFL certificate, which is normally somewhere around twelve dollars to $1,500 anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, my month-long of accommodations in Cambodia, two different weekend trips in Cambodia. Um, it also included the, the student teaching, which is a requirement of the certificate. So it was definitely a, a very comprehensive amount of information and perks that you got from from the, the cost of the program. Yeah, really good value, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And this was in 2013? Let's see. Yes, 2013. Okay. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's pretty recent. So it's probably somewhat similar still. It is. Yeah. Point. So their, their Asia program is a little bit more comprehensive than some other places in the world. Um, it's, it's just, it's been set up a lot longer, but they have stuff in Europe, in Northern mm-hmm. Africa, in South America. I mean, they're, they're definitely all over. So they have branches um, for people that are interested in most places that have English as a, as a second language, a, a big community for that. They have, they have locations. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to definitely put a link to that program on the show notes page um, for resources. So once you, how long did it take you then to figure all this out and secure the job? I mean, I know you kind of worked pretty hard on it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I had the 
the job secured, I think probably like two or three weeks before I left. So it was actually fairly quick. Yeah. And Um, then you had to buy a ticket, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of a hit to the bank account. (laughs) It was, you know, there are some really great resources out there that I know that I didn't know about. And I wish I would have. But even now that I'm thinking, I think it was only about $700 one way from Seattle to Cambodia. So for not knowing what I'm doing, that, that wasn't that bad. You have the bonus of being in a big city as well. <laughs> yes, very true. <laughs> $700 one way is definitely doable for Asia. That's pretty awesome. From yeah. Bozeman, Montana? Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So you got the job squared away. And then um, how quickly did you start getting rid of all your stuff? And did you were you able to make any money off of that? Or did you just kind of purge, just get rid of it and just get ready to go? I just purged. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I made the decision that I wanted to leave, I started sorting through everything. And, you know, I think like most people and especially women. And I was also, like I said, I used to be a ballroom dancer. So I had a bunch of gowns and costumes and every person has a million and a half shoes. And, and so going through that, um, in addition to also just moving out of my place, I would say that probably took me about two weeks to emotionally let go of everything and, mm-hmm. and just donate it all. Um, I didn't want to tie myself up with nickeling and diming everything where I probably could have made quite a bit of money, but it was, it, I didn't want to have to haggle with someone over something that I had an emotional attachment to. So I decided, <laughs> all right, let's, yeah. let's take it all to the goodwill. And yeah. I'm, you know, putting lots of good karma out there, of, you know, thousands of dollars of clothes and stuff. And hopefully one day it'll come back. Yeah, totally. I mean, that also takes a lot of time. And it may not be worth it in the end, especially, I mean, you just, you, once, if, once you make the decision to get rid of something, you just need to get rid of it sometimes, you know, and just, just say goodbye, just let go and, um, move on. Even, even if it's just material things, I mean, we all live, well, most of us live in houses with things and, you know, you never know sometimes what those might mean. So good for you because that's hard. It is. And that's been just kind of fast forwarding a little bit. That's been the interesting thing being a long term traveler is not accumulating things mm-hmm. because I have a backpack. Right. So if if I have if I get something new, I have to get rid of something. So things and, and travel and accumulating them and materialism, it's it's a very interesting relationship when you're traveling long term. So let's talk about your backpack. <laughs> so I we met in Boston, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I met Adrienne in, in Boston at a conference, a travel conference, and she's got this, it's like a school backpack, <laughs> like quite literally <laughs> on her back all the time. It's like attached to you. It's like your yeah. third, third, I don't know, fifth limb or something. Um, and then I saw you mm, two months later in, mm-hmm. where were we? Spain? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's <about> <laughs> yeah. And there you were with your backpack again. And I just cannot help but wonder, what did you end up bringing with you? <laughs> That's a great question. So, um I've got I've got my my two backpacks. I've got my my big backpack um which is my Osprey backpacking bag that um has mostly clothes and emergency uh, like an emergency medical kit 
and my I can't travel without my tutu and a couple other costumes, which I know sounds <laughs> cool, but it's my thing. I don't know. Okay. Um, awesome. And I got rid of everything in the world. Apparently, I needed to keep a rainbow tutu and a pair of bunny ears. It's so. funny the things that you end up keeping. It yeah. really is. <laughs> yeah, that, that, those have been around the world a couple times, which is interesting. Um so that's my big bag. And then my little bag that you saw attached to me at all time is, is work. So that's my laptop, all of my electronics, my cell phones, cameras, everything that I need in order to be mobile on the road. So that fast is mm-hmm. not a whole lot more. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a heavy pack too, with all it that is. stuff in it. Um, <laughs> <my life. laughs> I, well, how big is your big backpack? Mm, I believe it's 65 liters. Do you think that's good? It's a good size. It's okay. definitely a good size. Um, it. I have an expandable portion at the top where it can go another 10 liters. Um, Oof, yeah. But it gets kind of heavy if you do that much. So no 65, kidding, yeah. Yeah, 65 for me was fine. And if I didn't have to have my laptop, I wouldn't even need my front pack. I'd be able to kind of cram it all in, but I've got a big old honking old laptop that I can't part with yet, so... Oh my gosh, you really should get a MacBook Air. I'm just going to throw that out there. I know. <laughs> it's, it's the most place. amazing thing for travel. You don't even know it's there. You can throw it in your purse. It's amazing. I know. I've heard so many good things from all the different travelers and bloggers that I know. And it's like, all right, well, I'll add that to the list of expensive gadgets that I need to get. I know. You know what I did, to be completely honest with you? I, I bought it in December um, because it was a tax write-off and it worked brilliantly. I was I basically got a free computer because of that. So <laughs> I'll have to talk to you a little bit more about that. I later. know. Maybe we should. I'm not going to edit that part out either. So All right. word to the wise for those out there listening. But but yeah, I have not looked back. I am in love with my little laptop. I mean, it's it's amazing. And I really highly recommend it to any of these digital nomads that you know, like yourself that we, that we come across because it's the only way to go with traveling. I can't believe that you carry around a brick with you. (laughs) You, oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. But I mean, one day, one day I'll upgrade and I will, I will come and see the light. So let's talk a little bit more just about the packing because that's a, that's a big subject for me. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a, I call myself a ninja packer. <laughs> I have like ninja packing lists and stuff like that on my on my blog. Um, and I love to write about my every time I travel, I, I post about my packing list, like what goes in it, everything. Just and, saw your most recent one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just did one yesterday. Um, so one of the things that I swear by is um, traveling with a carry on. So mm-hmm. your 65 does not fit, correct? It depends on how how much I fill it up. So okay. I would say maybe 75% of the time I can get it as a carry-on. That's amazing. I'm so glad to hear that. So my first pack that I ever traveled with, this is before I knew anything, <laughs> um, was it was a 65 plus 10, similar to yours. Um, mm-hmm. It's also a medium, which I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm like a size small, but I didn't even know what I was doing. And there, I didn't go to somewhere like REI where people knew what they were doing either. No one helped me. And I just was like, oh, this one's pretty. Let's take it. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I learned very painfully about that pack was that it was so way too big for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it is a 65 plus 10. So what do you think I did? You plus it. I plus 10 it. Like, of course, I would pack it full, you know, and. 
And that's one of the things that I have learned is just that basically less is more. If you ever need something, you can just drop the money to buy, you know, whatever it is. And you'd be happy. Your shoulders will be happier with less weight. And so right now, my magic number is a 50. And I actually just got a brand new Osprey pack. Um, that's a, a 50. It's it's the frame is bigger than my other 50. And so I was a little worried about the overhead bin thing. But now that you said that you're 65 fits, that kind of makes me feel a lot better. Um, but I am just curious if you started out with any, I mean, you're going to Asia. So we kind of know that the climate in Asia is tropical where you were, correct? Correct. Yeah. And didn't you see yourself going elsewhere besides, I mean, did you pack for multiple climates? Cause you're packing for, well, probably about a year or more, more than a year, right? Yeah, about a year. So dirty little secret. When I first started traveling, I didn't know that I was going to be traveling. I thought I was moving oh. to Asia, mm-hmm. <laughs> which it doesn't sound like a big distinction, but it, oh, it's it actually so is. so different, right? Because in one, you're hauling stuff everywhere with you. And in two, you're sedentary. Yes, exactly. So when I first left, I had um, a, a rolly carry-on a big backpack and a uh, my my front pack my my normal school backpack mm-hmm. so i had three bags and they were chock a block full mm-hmm. and then slowly and painfully learned that carting all of that especially around asia is extremely expensive <laughs> i think um my flight from cambodia to taiwan was $200 and i ended up paying about 450 in baggage fees oh my gosh was it a, a was it Air Asia? No, it was Tiger Air. Oh, so they get it's just like Ryanair, so they get you with everything. Yeah, and I didn't, you know, every airline has their their little quirks, and if you don't pay for it in advance, you have to pay yep. at the airport, and it's seventeen and a half dollars per kilo. <gasps> mm-hmm. I I don't even want to think about that. Yeah, so they, they got me. So that kind of helped me as I continued moving um, to, to keep getting rid of things and getting rid of things and getting rid of things until I finally got back down to to one bag. Um, but same thing, that, that backpack that I had, I didn't know what I was buying when I bought it. And so I think I even had a large, mm-hmm. um, and it was about 65, but it was the large frame. And when I finally went to REI and got fitted for my Osprey, I'm actually almost an extra small. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely, definitely have learned to become, I might not be a packing ninja, <laughs> but um, I've learned what works for me and, and, you know, condensing down and you really only need a couple things. Cause like you said, and that's one of my mottos, if, if you need it, buy it when you get there. Is carting it around is not good on your body and it's sometimes horrible on your wallet. Oh yeah, no kidding. And really, um, I mean, when you're talking about buying something overseas, it's really never going to be that much. It's probably going to be less one time than what you would pay to pack or to check an extra bag on a plane, for example. Um, And you can get things everywhere. I think a lot of people are afraid that they're not going to be able to find things. And so they bring backups and they bring backups for their backups. And that's just completely unnecessary. Don't you agree? I 100% agree. I feel like there's there's what you want to have in life and there's what you really need to have. And I think once you kind of ratchet it down to what you really need, 
Um, like you said, you can find it. And I may not be a ninja at packing, but I'm a ninja at finding stores that have what I need and figuring out other languages Mm -hmm. (laughs) to read what's on packages and in bottles and things like that. Because I think everything I own right now has been bought overseas and not much is actually from the U.S. anymore. (laughs) Yeah. When you can't read any of the labels, you're not sure what things are anymore. Yeah, you know, I'm really good at like miming out things to like ask people like, is this really conditioner or is it like make my hair fall out? Which one is this? I finally figured out how to to, to mime everything I really need. (laughs) That's so funny. When I was living the first time that I ever moved to Italy when I was 20, um, my roommate and I realized like two two months in that we (laughs) This is really embarrassing. I shouldn't be saying this out loud, but <laughs> we'd been washing our clothes with fabric softener the whole time, <laughs> <laughs> which is just funny because it's something we didn't even really can, like we didn't even really think about it. You know, it was just a carton that we grabbed off the shelf and we it's like we never paid attention to it. And I don't even remember what it was that made us realize it. But oh, that was just funny. But that's precisely kind of your point, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and and like you said, it's you just got to laugh it off when when you make a fool of yourself and when silly things happen and when you buy something that you should not be buying. I mean, it's just it is what it is. It is. And you learn (laughs) and you live and you learn. So as you um, as you were getting rid of things, what did you do? Did you actually just kind of get rid of them on your travels? Did you just give them away? Did you leave them behind or did you actually send some stuff home? Um. Most of it I would leave behind. Um, it, I'm kind of a thrifty type person in that I'll use something until it's not really usable anymore. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I had to replace a shirt, it's because the shirt was pretty ratty tatty or um, someone stole it. That, that happens every now and then. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in general, yeah, most of the time it's I would I would leave it behind if it was something. Actually, so when I left Cambodia, um, when I had been living, I lived in Taiwan for a while, then I lived in Cambodia for a lot longer teaching. And then when I left there and started uh, my life as a nomad, I still had quite a bit of clothing and I donated it to the villages out there. Um, So if there's things that are still usable, I'll usually donate them. But in general, um, if it's if it's with me, it's it's necessary. I don't really send a whole lot home. Every now and then I'll pick up souvenirs, but then that's if I know I'm heading home soon. So I just carry it with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you, I'm curious and I'm kind of changing subjects here, but as you were traveling and maybe after your, well, actually that's a good question. What did you do after your year was over in Taiwan? <laughs> well, it was actually only about three months in Taiwan and okay. the, situation there just wasn't the best. So that's why I went back to Cambodia. So I finished out my year in Cambodia Mm -hmm. teaching. And then I was originally going to teach somewhere else. And so I went to Europe after I left Asia and I was just traveling around a little bit. And then I stumbled on the whole travel blogging thing. And I was convinced to go to the TBEX in Athens last Mm -hmm. year Mm -hmm. And that made me realize that there were other avenues where I didn't have to stay stationary and work a job. It was possible for me to continue moving like I really wanted to and still have income. So that was the kind of jumping off point from 
I'm traveling around until I find a job to I'm traveling around and making my own job. How long did it take you to start making money? I started freelancing uh, probably two or three months into traveling because I had been researching every single thing possible, trying to figure out what was what was available. Okay. And so I started freelancing, um, freelance writing for different travel websites and things like that. What travel websites? Um, it's through a couple different ones. So I have actually my, I guess he's considered my manager. And so he sends me my assignments and then he puts them out on different websites. So to be honest, I actually don't know oh. which websites that he puts them out on. I mm-hmm. found him through a travel blogging um, forum on Facebook. Interesting. Okay. That's awesome. Talk about being resourceful. I mean, this is kind of how how it happens for a lot of long-term travelers. They turn into travel bloggers just the way that you have. So, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. kind of a dream, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It definitely is. And I'm, I'm working on continuing that dream so that I'm making money specifically through like my efforts. So, you know, my own writing on my website and, and creating videos and things like that. So mm-hmm. it definitely takes time, but everyone, everyone definitely does it differently. Like you said. Yeah, for sure. And what is your website? It's Adrian's Travel Tales. Okay, I'm going to link to that on the show notes page as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm already realizing that I'm probably going to have to have you come back to talk about female travel because that's another thing that you've done is you've been alone this whole time, um, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you have quite a bit to say about that. <laughs> I definitely do. I definitely do. Um, right now I'm at five continents traveling solo and I'm hoping to make it to all seven, um, by the time I'm 30. So I've got, you know, seven continents, hopefully soon worth of, worth of recommendations and information about traveling as a woman. Oh my goodness. And when is your birthday? March 10th. Okay. So you have like almost a year. Yep. Almost a year. Okay. Well, good luck with that. That's awesome. That's a good goal. I like it. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm in the process of trying to plan all that out. So almost there. Yeah. So on, on this, on this trip of yours, did you always, I just have this question. Did you keep a budget to get a flight home with or, or were you considering that or was that, you know, something that you planned? That when I first got abroad and when I first moved to Asia, that was my, my first goal was to like save up enough so that I did have a flight home. Okay. And then the longer and longer I travel, the less and less I worry about that, to be honest, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. because home is where the shoes are. Yeah. With social media, with Skype, with just the technology that's available now, uh, it's, it's a lot easier to stay in contact with home. So it's a lot less, of a of a pull for me to to come back here as much as I love being here and I'm going to be here for the summer and I, I it's a great time um I, I love the idea of one-way tickets and mm-hmm. figuring it out once you get there and not mm-hmm. really worrying about what the next destination is but just in appreciating where you are right now we are definitely kindred spirits I I love being here in the summer too, but come this fall, that's when I'm going to I'm going to be getting a one-way ticket as well. And uh there's something I can't even say that without smiling. I know, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really exciting. And there's there's something else I think about this 
about long-term traveling, about the idea of home that really changes because when you are a long-term traveler, you don't have a home per se. And there's nothing saying that you, you need to go back there. I mean, if something happens and you decide, you know what, I need to go home and, you know, work through this or just go and be around people that I know and love or whatever, that's one thing. But when you're on the road and you're not so much worried about the next destination, things work out, you know, and, and it just kind of prolongs the entire adventure, the entire experience, and it makes home feel less and less like home anyway, right? Exactly. That's actually been something I've been um, not struggling with, but I've been coming to terms with is that home is, for me, is very fluid. And Mm -hmm. home is definitely the people that I have in my life and, you know, my family and friends. But as we were talking about earlier, I feel home when I'm in a new place. I feel home when I'm experiencing new things. And and that constant change, that's that's what feels like home to me now. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely, it's definitely travel has altered how I just in general perceive the world and, and my place in it. I love it. I think you said that really well. So yeah. one last question. Do you have any advice for people who may be considering long-term travel? What, what would you say to them? I would say that nothing is permanent. And if you try something and it doesn't work out, you can go back or you can try something new. So I think the biggest thing that stops people from trying long-term travel is they're afraid that they're not going to like it. And if, if they don't, that's, that's okay. They can go back. They can do something else. It, nothing is permanent. So mm-hmm. it's, it's okay to try something and it not work out because what happens if it does? What happens if, you know, you do try it and it's amazing and you're never going to regret trying it. Mm-hmm. So I, I just say, you know, nothing is permanent and, and you can always try things again. And the, um, the, the possible repercussions and, and the benefits that you'll get from at least just trying it are going to outweigh anything else that negative might happen. I love it. That's awesome. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much for for coming on and for sharing with us. Um, I I really do think you're going to be hearing from me again in the future. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jackie, I would would love to come and chat with you again. Awesome. And um, where am I going to see you next? (laughs) I have no idea. We might have to talk about that. Um, I don't think I'm going to be going to any of the conferences anytime soon. So my next my next uh, hops are down to South America. So oh, mine too. When are you going? I'm still working on that. Maybe October, November, December, somewhere around in there. Okay. Well, let me know. I'm going to be in Chile in September, October. So. <laughs> All right. We'll definitely chat soon. Okay. Awesome. Well, we'll chat soon. And um, yeah, thanks again. Of course. Thanks, Jackie. All right. Well, there you have it with Adrian. Thanks again to Adrian for coming on and sharing. Um, I loved all that talk about packing and preparations and steps. Um, I, I find that the more logic, pra- just practical things we can talk about, the, the, the more helpful it is. So I hope that you guys found that helpful. 
I'm going to be including some notes from today's interview on the show notes page, which you're going to be able to find as always at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 50. So don't forget about that if you want to recap anything that we talked about today. And there'll be links to Adrian's site and to that program that she was mentioning as well. And you also heard me say that I'm going to be taking off here for some long-term traveling. And yes, that is true. I am getting a one-way ticket to Chile um, at the end of September. I'm starting there. I'm going to be doing a trek through the Torres Alpine National Park down in Patagonia and attending a conference in Puerto Varas, which is down in the south of Chile kind of South Central and uh, and going from there. And at this point, I, I don't know what all that is going to entail, but I'm really excited to start my own long-term journey again. It's been a long time since I've done this. And so you guys are going to get to go with me on that. Make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter so that you can keep up with where I am and follow me on Facebook. Come join the Facebook group. Um, the BMT community Facebook group if you're not already there so that you can get in on the conversation. And that's it for today. So I hope you guys enjoyed and we'll be back next week with Mr. Gary Arndt, the one and only. Um, if, if you guys know who he is, he's one of the most famous, you know, travel bloggers, but photographers um, that there that there are really. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and I'll see you then. Have a great week. 